Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave any questions or feedback as you journey with us through His Word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to In Scripture Podcast. Today's a special episode. You guys want to know why? Because today we are learning new things. Technology. Technology. <laughs> if it if it sounds like Alex's voice is muffled, it's because he's standing in the room next by next door to us and he's just yelling really loudly. Actually, he's like That's 600. That's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> Probably like more like 300 miles away from us right now. Alex, where are you? Why are you not at home? And why are we in your home? <laughs> oh, man. I had a business trip come up out of nowhere for two weeks. So I had to go to Atlanta, one of my favorite cities in the world. How convenient. It's in time. the city with the biggest aquarium in America. With the most busiest airport in America. Yeah, it I sense sarcasm. Like I'm in the aquarium right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you brought up technology. Good keyword. So this week, I'm sure you guys have seen this, heard of this, been experienced by this. Um, we had a little bit of a time where social media had a glitch, mainly Facebook and all the apps related to it. Instagram, so like WhatsApp, WhatsApp, Instagram. Yeah. And it's funny, like I was able to kind of experience both sides of like just that. I don't know. It was like a six hour period, I guess. Maybe it happened from noon till the evening time. I don't know what kind of glitch they had. I didn't really look into the details, but um, something crashed. But it it was crazy to me, and it brought back flashbacks of our social media episode um, when we talked about how how much people actually rely on social media right now. So um, I'm in the headquarters of Delta, and you know I had I had a class. Um, with mostly older guys, they're not really on social media that much. So I didn't even know this was going on, but come around three, four o'clock, I happened to go to the other department to go get some food at like the, I guess you could call it a, a cafe, uh, that we have with like a bunch of restaurants there. So I had it over there and it was like a lot of younger people there. It was a lot of flight attendants, new hires, and everybody was like in, in this panic state where people were like resetting their phones and people were scrambling, asking others like, like, hey, can you access this? And at first it was a panic and I was like, what the heck is going on? Because I had no idea. But apparently like Facebook went down and people couldn't um, access their accounts um, but what I, the whole point being was you can actually see in these people the the so, sort of panic they had. And I'm sure a lot of people probably didn't care. I don't know how you guys, did you guys get affected by it at all? I'm still recovering. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I only found out in the evening. Someone, someone mentioned it. I was like, what? Facebook went down? I mean, I noticed yeah. it. I noticed it not right away. I think probably after twelve o'clock, and then I read up some articles, and apparently started like around eleven thirty or something like that. And you know, me being in IT, I kind of can relate because even thankfully I have yet to cause such an outage <laughs> at my company. 
That is like yet. It's when, very painful when you do it. When you make mistakes <laughs> I know on the grand, when you make changes on the grand scheme of things that can possibly affect the whole company, you know, you you do that with trembling. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that, but there's always that human factor that tends to make mistakes. So I can definitely so relate. So this was a humanly caused mistake. Oh yeah, by somebody? definitely. This is definitely humanly caused. Um, and but, even uh, even if it wasn't. There should have been backup and redundant systems that should have avoided this whole thing. So, in theory, yes, if they work properly. Yeah. So, but it's I I never really thought about like what you said, Alex. Well, see, I don't go. I work from home, so I don't get to see the people interaction as much. So I couldn't really see how people were panicking. But I can imagine because like if something in my company breaks and people start panicking, it's you know they start raising. Red flags, phone calls, conference calls everywhere and everything, everybody's involved. Everyone just drops what they're doing and tries to fix the thing. But, you know, we think of it as social media that, you know, it's just, you know, whatever it is that we talked about. But, I mean, some people build their businesses on this. For some people, it's their only source of income, their main source of income. So for something to go down like this, I know we might sit here and laugh about it. But for some, people weren't getting paid. For or lost money yeah. because of that. So I wanted to touch on that. True. I read like an interesting article after all of this, and uh, this this website interviewed a bunch of people that were affected. And there was like three kinds of people. There was people that were really upset because they had businesses uh, uh, from you know different countries where WhatsApp was the only way of communication. So they lost customers. Uh, they couldn't ship and track their products. And then they couldn't sell anything because marketplace was down and all these kinds of things. So they were like affected in a really big way, um, which which the business side, um, I personally understand uh, how somebody could be affected. I get it. Uh, but then there's like this other side of I couldn't I couldn't speak to my friends and relatives, and it's it's like you you only had a six maximum six hour window where you really couldn't socialize with them. So people were like devastated because they couldn't talk to others. And um, some another guy said that he like reset his all his passwords on his phone. He called his bank. He thought he got hacked. So that he thought that there was a hack going on and all this <laughs> stuff got stolen. So he panicked and was in like this this crazy mode. But then one person was like, I was able to get four assignments done from work because I didn't have a distraction. So. <laughs> I guess I guess what I wanted to come to towards the end was people all people here admitted how much they rely on this and most of the people uh rely on it in not an important way meaning like they're not it's not their living uh they rely on it just to have something there just to have like a you know something to do because they might be bored or they might be uh kind of hooked on it uh, only one person actually relied on it for a business cause. Mark so, Zuckerberg, uh, <laughs> probably. But people people a did admit man. that it it was it it was a lot of free time for them to do other things, and and that kind of just reminded me of one of the episodes we had was um, if you could you know if you just take a few hours of the day, it'll make such a huge difference because we don't realize how attached we are. Uh, the the memes that came out of it were funny though. Mark everyone's flood, everyone's flooding to Twitter. It's the only thing working. Yeah, I saw the guy laying the guy laying in like a server with a bunch of wires with his legs sticking out, and it was like Mark Zuckerberg right now. <laughs> that was pretty funny. No, Lizard Man was probably just screaming at people. He doesn't really do much. 
It would have been, it would, it would be interesting because again, like you said, it's almost, it's understandable if someone has like a business or something and they're kind of upset about this, obviously, because it's their, it's their income. They're trying to make money. Like, I understand why someone like that would be devastated or upset or just frustrated, I guess, because it's one day without profits or at least half a day. But it would be interesting to see how like average people would react if this, if this had been like a week long thing. You know, because that would be amazing. Be, Can like, you imagine how much, like, because the thing is, I I was at church that evening and I spoke to. Obviously, that's the only thing anybody was talking about, of course, especially in the youth. And and we had a bunch of different things going on that evening in particular. And I spoke to almost everybody who was there, and I and everybody brought it up. And of course, it was a, it was like it was just a funny joke to everyone, you know, because it was only six hours. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it'd be interesting to see what would happen if this was like a week. You know, because it's all fun and games when it's like five or six hours and it's like, it's almost like the culturally fun thing to laugh at it and make memes. But like, what if this was a week long and like these people who are so dependent on like their their hourly dose of, of dopamine from their phone, like if they don't get that for a week, what happens? You know, like I, I think that would, that would be an interesting thing to see how people would react in that case where it's no longer like a couple fun hours of like, ooh, everything's broken, but like, now you have to spend a week socializing or not, you know, or just sitting in your room in silence. Odd comparison or parallel. <clears throat> so odd, odd comparison and parallel in terms of, you know, you can't really compare the Bible and Facebook, but I'm just thinking to the story and scripture between the Old and the New Testament. If you remember, it was about 400 years of, of silence. It's the 400 years of silence when God stopped talking to his people. No miracles were performed. No prophets were talking. Um, you know, nothing special like that was happening. It's just as if all of a sudden God cut himself off from his people and it was just quiet and they were just went back to the normal, you know, as if it was before God, which there wasn't really anything before that, right? Because God always had his prophets, his kings or his people that he taught, spoke with <clears throat> through. But now all this 400 years of silence and then Jesus comes along, right? The next big miracle um, and just how people negatively react to it that you would expect to do the opposite to actually be happy about it and accepting and you know glorify God but no they're just the opposite and to me it's just kind of a very interesting parallel like how how we do with social media today and what happened with the Israelite nation back then when they had 400 years of silence from God people's reactions it's just it's very interesting yeah there was some memes where it was like Lazarus coming out of the tomb and he's <laughs> squinting at the sun and it's like me when Facebook went down like you know they'd come come out of their graves <laughs> or come out of their tombs uh, or there's another one where there's like a uh family that looked like an Amish family running through the fields holding hands and like my family and I when uh Facebook went down <laughs> uh, what are all the soccer so moms going to do so true. sad but true the world we live in today um so I think we can go ahead and pivot to our new topic that we're starting today. Uh, so we're starting the new series. Uh, we're going to be discussing a new book. We're going to be spending some time. Um, we're going to be probably taking breaks in between. Maybe do a couple episodes on this series and then take a break and then do more episodes and take a break. Cause For sure. This is going to take it, forever. It will be a long one. Um, we kind of like these series, um, kind of more of the expository approach on uh, letters in the New Testament. Because uh, you learn a lot from it. I don't know about you guys, but never before have I ever dissected a book like I've dissected James. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. a small book, 
but there is so much into it. Very simple kind of truths, but very fundamental at the same time. And same thing here. So we're starting Ephesians today. Um, we're going to do a quick intro, and then we're going to read a couple verses, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, so the Ephesians. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, for those that may not know where that is. Uh, it was considered Asia Minor, so it's modern-day Turkey. For those that don't know, I learned this while studying for this. Turkey is a transcontinental country. It means it belongs in both continents, just like Russia. Um, so Ephesus is located on the west side of Turkey. Well, back then, now today it's Turkey, but back then it was Asia. Um, and so it's a port city. So there's a lot of people, a lot of trading going on, people coming to and fro, uh, probably relatively wealthy city. Uh, the biggest kind of, I don't want to say you could say attractions or um, kind of monuments there. There was a big, very important temple to the goddess Artemis, Greek Artemis, Roman Diana, um, goddess of fertility, goddess of the hunt, supposedly. Uh, she was heavily worshipped there in, in that city, in Ephesus, the big temple. There was also a very big stadium there or a theater that could sit over 25,000 people. So that just goes to show that how much people were really in this city. It was a very busy, popular place. I think I read that it was estimated to have around 300,000 people living there, which for that time would make it one of the top biggest cities in, in the Roman Empire, which it was a part of at that moment. I, I would assume Rome probably be bigger. No, not the biggest. I'm saying uh, one, one of, of the, the biggest, biggest. because, okay. I mean, that's that's a huge... Yeah. That'd be, I mean, that'd be a huge city now, you know, that's that's a pretty decent size of... How much can Panther Stadium seat? Uh, I think it's like 60,000. Okay, so about um, just a little under half of that. Mm -hmm. That's big. I mean, that's, that's for that time. Yeah, that's crazy. Twenty five thousand people. Yeah, that is that's. And uh, Paul did a lot of ministry there. He went to Ephesus several times during his ministry work. Um, on his third missionary trip, when he was coming back to Jerusalem, he stopped by Ephesus, and I think he spent about three years there ministering or so, two or three years. Um, so it was a very long time. He spent a lot of time and energy to make sure that that city had a good sound. Uh, teaching church. Um, some other notable figures that worked in Ephesus was John, the apostle, um, and uh, also Timothy. Um, so very notable people that, you know, worked in that city for those people trying to secure the church and make sure that its, its doctrines are sound and firm. But yet, in the um, if you read the book of Revelations, chapter two, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus is actually the first one mentioned by Christ to direct, to address. And if you remember in that chapter, it says that they forgot their first love, right? It said, I know that <clears throat> I'm going to actually read it because uh, this actually kind of brings about why Apostle Paul was reading it. Of course, we know Revelation was wrote, written much later, but it's interesting to me. So uh, Revelations chapter two, it says, the angel of the church in Ephesus Right, uh, verse two, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the name's sake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove from you from your remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And when you read the letter of Ephesians, 
it sounds like this church was very well educated in the spiritual sense. Like they knew what was right, they knew what was wrong. At least in Revelation. Yeah, at least I don't in think Revelation. Maybe not at this point fully. Supposedly the church fell apart somewhere in the third century from what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it it couldn't stand. It, mm-hmm. it disintegrated, it fell apart for whatever reason, probably because of the false teaching um, or the idolatry that was very... There was also persecution going on. Persecution was going on. Um, but even when you read the letter of what Paul's writing, right, he reminds them of who they are in Jesus, right? Who Jesus is for them, where they came from, right? Like, for example, I made a note for myself, chapter one, mainly Paul talks about our identity in Christ, right? How we are adopted as his sons, we are heirs, you know, that through his blood, we are forgiven. And he you goes, did mention they're Gentiles, right? Yes. No, I did not. Okay. But yeah. I was just... So yeah. since, since this is not Israel, it's pretty far away from Israel, I'm sure there's probably some Jews here, but more than likely this was a Gentile church uh, for the most part. We don't know how big it is. Um, we don't know. I don't think we even know who like was pastoring it at that time or leading it. But we do know that um, he addresses these people as saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. And I think there's hints in chapters one and chapters three um, talking about them being Gentiles and uh, there's, uh, I guess, can I talk about a little bit how the book is structured? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Eph- Ephesians, I just hear Ephesus and I want to pronounce Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Um, Ephesians has <laughs> six chapters, uh, chapters one through three. I, I think it's split in half and I've talked to different theologians and well, not, I haven't talked. I've read different. <laughs> Say, are you talking I've read you? from, I've, I talked to my brother-in-law. Can you tell me who the theologians are that you talk to? Technically talk to. everyone who studies God <laughs> is a theologian. Don't give there us that go. false sense of <laughs> definitely talk <Yeah>. to me. Because <laughs> theology is the study of God and theologians are those who study God. And so all Christians should, should technically be theologians. Maybe some, uh, greater than others. I'm still taking prereqs though. I'm good. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, verses, chapters one through three, I think uh, Paul writes something, I think that's dear to all of us. He writes about Jesus Christ. He talks about the work that God the Father did. And he also talks about the work that Christ did and to what a beautiful calling we have been called to as a result of that. So he, he paints the gospel in such, a, in such a beautiful light and a picture. And he actually compares in the first chapter, we'll probably see where he says that um, the Jews were predestined or called before, but now the Gentiles join in. And he talks about this unity that we have in Christ, even though we're, there's Jews and there's Gentiles, they're still unity in Christ, which is just a beautiful picture. And then chapters four through six, it's uh, more application. And uh, you guys can help me out with this, but I I think it's, um, he starts talking as a result of what Christ did for us. He says, we have been called to live a greater calling. This is how we should act. And I think the fact that they are Gentiles, um, they don't know the Old Testament law. What's a Gentile? Not a Jew. (laughs) <laughs> that's it that's yeah. it folks um, or as the Amish call them English 
fun fact for you, Amish. Really? Nah, nah, I mean, I <laughs> Amish call anybody who's not Amish, they call them English people. Even if they're not English? Why? Because yep. they're Dutch? Because they're Dutch and everybody else is English. So everybody else is sinners. Hmm. Much. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so so uh, going back to Ephesians, um, as a result of what Christ has done for us, this is how we ought to behave. This is how we ought to act because they didn't know the Old Testament. They didn't know Moses's law. Um, here, I think he explains, he doesn't explain the law, but he talks about as new creatures in Christ, this is what we ought to do. This is how we ought to behave. And he goes from talking about putting away sin, stopping lying, stopping cheating, and uh, start telling the truth, but also talking about relationships. He starts talking about how we ought to walk in love, but then he goes even deeper and he starts talking about relationships in our family, how parents are supposed to uh, act towards kids, how kids are supposed to act towards parents, and how spouses are supposed to behave with one another in love. And he, he brings it all at the end as an image of Christ in the church, which is beautiful. And so I think that that's what he's, he, he's doing here. At first, he's reiterating the gospel um, and explaining it to them. And then as a result of this gospel, because, because of what he did for us, because we are new creatures, this is how we ought to behave. Yep. So um, I think we can probably go ahead and start reading unless anyone else has something else to add. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, Serge, you, you pretty much mentioned everything. I wanted to add a little bit of a note. I think Paul Paul actually had a pretty close relationship with Ephesus uh, because I kind of related it to chapter 19 in Acts where it talks a lot about Ephesus, just the things that happened there. Um, but from, from chapter 19 and a little bit of chapter 18, we can learn a little more that um, we know that Priscilla and Aquila were... Uh, kind of left and put there by Paul at, at a certain point. It is believed that they opened up a lot of the gospel to the city. Um, but Paul himself uh, pastored um, the church there for three years. And then we remember that when Paul left, Timothy pastored the congregation. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of relationship from Paul's side, at least, to Ephesus in general. Um, so I think when, when he was writing this book, um, we can kind of even see that. I'm guessing. I don't know if you guys looked into Acts 19. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's actually Acts 18, I think, with the Priscilla and Aquila thing. I, I read up on that. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, there's nothing in scripture about this, but it almost makes sense logically why he would choose Ephesus as a place, like a as like a base of operations, seeing how big it is, and like from that church that's planted there. I, I guess it would make sense that it could branch out into the neighboring towns or villages or whatever might be going around. So I don't know. Again, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing written about that, but strategically it seems to like make sense that, Hey, let's go to the biggest place, take it over basically. And, and hopefully the church there can now branch out and, and reach out to the people around. I think he mentions a couple of times here, how he prays for them. And right, uh, right. I think it goes well with what you said, Alex, that, um, his his love for them is just showing. There's one time in chapter one. There's another time in chapter three, three when he talks about how he prays for them yeah. uh, earnestly, which is sixteen verse awesome. 16. Yeah, um, yeah. So definitely, because if you remember again, I just want to quickly go back to Revelation two and three. Those seven churches that are mentioned, they're all in this area: Pergamum, Smyrna, uh, 
Smyrna, you know, Theatria, Laodicea, Ephesus, they're all, they're all here, Philadelphia. They're, they're all in this like a couple, you know, maybe 50, 70 miles away from each other. They're mm-hmm. all in this little Turkey, West Coast type area. So they were very, I think, because uh, in some of his letters, he actually says, exchange these letters with your neighboring church mm-hmm. and read their letter as right. well. So they were, they definitely had systems of communication, of being in contact with each other and working together. Um, so it's very interesting to see how he, all this work that God was doing through Paul. Um, and it also points out the fact that these churches, uh, they weren't perfect. They were full of trouble, temptations, hard times, good times. Um, and Paul was always there trying to encourage them, lift them up, reassure them. Because uh, re- he, he always, because again, he wrote Ephesus, Ephesians, when he was in prison in Rome. Um, so he was pretty far away from them. And he heard of what was going on, supposedly, and he tried to encourage them to remember their identity in Christ, who they were, what God has did for them, for us through Jesus Christ, and how we need to, you know, put on the armor of God uh, to to withstand devil's temptations and everything. So he was always ready to back the churches up that he worked at, even if he was, you know, hundreds if not thousands of miles away. And man, this this seems like such a such a good book to be reading right now where we're living in a time where there is so many different like ideas of Christianity. There's so many different versions of what we like so many different people have taken the Bible and created a different like sector of Christianity. And it's such a, I think this is such a good book to read right now where again, like Mark was saying, the first like the first half of this book is very foundational doctrine just just the absolute foundation of everything we believe in and everything we should believe in. You know, this is what really matters at the end of the day. And and at a, at a time where, I don't know, depending on where you are listening to this, but here in Charlotte, there's a church on every corner. And I guarantee you, even if it says Baptist, I guarantee you almost all of them have a slightly different version of that. <laughs> like they all have their own take on whatever they believe and that's not even getting into the other types, whether it's Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, whatever you want to talk about that fall under the Christian quote unquote category. And and getting back to the basics is very important for us to do in a time like this where there is so much distraction. You know, knowing exactly what we believe in, who we believe in, why we believe in it, and what it means for our salvation is is very important when there is all this distraction around us. Yep, being able to discern. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll read. Um, I'll probably go ahead and read through verse 10. We can probably read the first two verses. I was going to say one through three would probably be suffice, would suffice at this point. Okay. I'll read one through three so that we can talk about them. Um, So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Sorry, Mark, you said one to two was probably more accurate. That's <laughs> all good. I was connecting three. Um, I want to. I know we we'll probably have a lot to say, but I wanted to begin to just go back to our original message that actually all all of us have actually mentioned. But Paul mentions himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ in this first verse. And I think that uh, relates to where he's coming from, his authorial intent in a way, because 
as as an apostle, he is sort of a messenger. Uh, he was a messenger of Christ, talking about Christ and introducing Christ to the people, uh, which is completely, uh, completely backs up his whole demeanor because being the messenger, uh, he did a lot of missionary work in Ephesus, whether it was directly from him or the people he sent there or uh, the relationship he had with that city, even with that church. So I think, I think that kind of uh, that, or the word apostle just means it kind of wraps everything up into who Paul is. And I think that they, they would fully relate to him calling himself that. Yeah, I think he was also stating his authority here. I think that's what you kind of meant when you said authorial intent. Right. Um, the fact that he is stating that he is an apostle and not, even in the very first verse, not by his own um, self-proclamation, but by the will of God. Uh, so he was appointed as an apostle by God himself. Uh, and that's that's what he's saying here. And so he mentioned, and this isn't the only time that he mentions it. He mentions it in chapter three. Um, and then in chapter four, he talks about himself again, being a prisoner of the Lord, not necessarily an apostle. But then at the very end in chapter six, he also talks about how um, he's writing this. Uh, let me read it real quick. So that, uh, 621, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing uh, to Chickas the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord will tell you everything I have sent him for you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So I, I think he's talking about like, sorry, I don't think that was necessarily in the context of what I was trying to say. I might've read it incorrectly, but I, I think he's stating who he is, his position in the church and why they should listen to him uh, because of his authority. Yeah. He also uh, addresses his audience. He plainly states mm -hmm. that to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's writing to believers here, a specific church, um, well, maybe not a specific church. Um, I don't know if there was more than one church in Ephesus, but mm -hmm. he's definitely writing to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's writing to believers. You know, a lot of times we can say like, oh, this, this does not pertain to me. This does not apply to me, I'm, I'm too good. But no, most all of the Bible is written to believers at first. It's written to believers, um, which here, Paul, like I said, he clearly says that he's got something to say to his believers. Well, I have a question for you guys, and, and this is a little more just broad in general about the book of Ephesians. Why, if Paul is writing to believers, if he's writing to the saints, why does he spend half the book teaching them about basic fundamental Christianity and then the other half teaching them about basic um, principles of, of what it's like to be a Christian. Like wouldn't, wouldn't a saint know that already? What, why is he wasting his time writing them to them about things that they should technically already know if they are believers? Do you read your Bible every day? Yeah. Why? Because I want to know more. There you go. But he's not, he's, I don't know. That's my point though. He's talking about fundamentals. Not like, he's not necessarily expounding upon certain things. I think it, he, he may kinda, certain he kinda, areas. He kind of is. If you look into it, there's some, some things that he mentioned specifically. Um, it wasn't really maybe mentioned before uh, in the Old Testament. I guess one thing to keep in mind is this could also be a founding book for uh 
Gentiles if they don't have any Old Testament scriptures. Because up to this point, they didn't have, oh, here's the gospel of Mark, here's the gospel of Luke, read it up, read up on it. Uh, whatever Paul wrote, whatever they left with them, they would pass it down by word of mouth rather than actually writing it down. So if he's also lettering this, even talking about uh, the foundations, it could be it could help with new believers. So that way they could read it. It would have an accurate account of what it is. Because right. they didn't have copies of the Old, Old Testament was already finalized before Jesus was even born. The Old Testament was already put together like, like we know it today. It was already there as a whole. Uh, still in scrolls, but it was acknowledge which books belong to the Old Testament. I don't think they didn't call it the mm-hmm. Old Testament, but it was there. And so, you know, you couldn't just make copies of the Old Testament, you know, thousands of them and go on a missionary trip and hand them out like like we do today with Bibles. People didn't do that back then. So obviously, like Mark said, uh, you know, the word of mouth, and then you would have to either somehow retain that information either in your head or write it down word for word, you know, letter for letter, accuracy, because accuracy matters. And so... It's, it would, back then I can only imagine how easy it would be either one to forget or two to be misguided because you have almost nothing to compare it to uh, to validate what they were saying against besides what you were previously told at one point. Maybe someone had one copy of a letter somewhere before. So I think why a lot of, if you really read a lot of Paul's letters, a lot of them overlap with each other in terms of Charlie, <laughs> over doctrinal uh, teachings. A lot of them overlap because it's this constant reminder of, yeah, we have problems, but make sure that this is right first, right? Make sure that you remember, you don't forget. And not that you just don't forget and remember, but make sure that you, what you currently believe in is right compared to what, you know, whatever false teaching might be happening at them. Because remember, like we're studying Colossians with our youth right now. And um, in chapter two, what was the problem? It was the problem, the fact that someone told them that for you to be saved, you have to obey the ordinances and traditions of the Old Testament. Sounds like a good thing, like a right thing, but it was a wrong thing, right? So I think it's very important why he writes the things that he's got right here that we're going to talk about is, you know, yes, they're very fundamental. They're somewhat basic, but at the same time, they're very, very, very deep. Like he says in verse nine, skipping ahead, but he says, you know, the mysteries of his will. Right? There's mystery behind it, something that we might not fully understand well here on earth, but it's important for us to keep in mind. And then verse uh, chapter 3, verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus Skip, through the gospel. way ahead here. I know, I'm just saying like <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, even uh, this very first section, there's so many profound truths that maybe aren't as clearly written or talked about, but also he, he kind of briefly mentions them and keeps going and you're like, wait, wait, I want to I know a little bit more about that. Like even when he's talking about... Um, like just verse three, right? Who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. There's like four sermons right there you can yeah. talk about. Or fat, ver, chapter or verse five, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. That one verse alone, you're like, can you explain that a little further, please? You know, Paul. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there are a lot of profound Mark, truths. Mark just said the P word. <laughs> hey, can I add on to what you guys said? No. Uh, Mark, I think that's an awesome question because... Uh, Mark only asks awesome questions. It's the only thing I, I do know, here. Sometimes foundational points 
um, this was mentioned by you guys, are, I think in my opinion, I would agree that they have to be mentioned, reminded, and are important. Uh, reason being, like, if you think of, like, just an example of, of any of us, right, if any of you guys have ever been to college, you could be going to the same college for three years, and the first day of a class, sometimes they might go over the emergency exit, or they might go over the rules of the class, or they might go over things that you have heard over a hundred times before and you're like why do we go over this everybody knows where the emergency exit is but some people either don't know might be new or some people um just forgot you know people get distracted and if they're not reminded of the foundational things um oftentimes we get uh fallen astray um i'm kind of making like a in, in my head i'm thinking of first timothy i remember when when Paul was writing that, he did also mention that uh, Ephesus, the city, Ephesus, had uh, people that had uh, wrong doctrine that would stray people away. Um, and in, in chapter 1 in First Timothy, Paul talks about that, but he mentions that there was even, he even mentions them by their name. Um, he says that uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan, um, they may learn not to blaspheme. So they were blaspheming and they were, they were spreading wrong doctrine, even though being in the church. Um, so that was an issue. And I think, I think we have to, Paul, Paul went in and reminded the foundational basics of, you know, going over these things because the people needed to hear it. They needed to refresh. They needed to really understand who Christ was because they were starting to fall astray to other things. You said repetitive things said over and over again. I was reminded of being in an airplane and how they constantly repeat, right. this is how you buckle up. Mm -hmm. And then right. if you look at it in front of every seat, there's also a little pamphlet that'll give you all the instructions the same way. This is how you buckle. This is what you do in a case of an emergency. So maybe even this is, it's a short book, but it could be like a little uh, instruction guide that he sent them. Uh, one thing, I went to Florida last week um, and I got to hear my old pastor preach, which was awesome. He preached on two verses, and I love how it just fits perfectly in context here. Uh, Romans 3, 1 and 2. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. And so just even looking at that, he said, um, talking about like the question then, because in, in Romans, Paul is writing to Jews. And here he's writing to Gentiles, but he's saying, because he's saying, he's asking the question. It's like a rhetorical question that maybe the Jews would be asking, what is, what is so special then about being a Jew if we're all equal under Christ? And he says, there's a lot of things that are special about being a Jew. One of the biggest ones is the fact that you guys have the oracles of God. So you have the word of God that you can memorize, that you can read, that you can study. Um, and you've had it for centuries whereas the Jews or the Gentiles don't have that. And I think this is also a good example where they may not have a copy of the Old Testament. And so Paul is also sending them a copy of, the, of or not a copy, but a, a book talking about Christ um, and how he, he uh, the gospel message, and then how they ought to live now in the New, in the new Testament. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of move forward. So... Verse two, he says, grace yeah, to you. Yeah, talk about and, redemption. <laughs> well, as you go a little too forward. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to talk about- How about the saints? Um, I, I talked to someone recently. You just love first verse of every chapter, don't you? That's my favorite. <laughs> um, I had a recent 
conversation with uh, my brother. I forget what I said. And then I was, I said something like, I used to be a sinner. He's like, what, you're not anymore? I was like, no, I'm a saint. And he's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, look, Ephesians, when, when Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he's talking to saints. I think modern day interpretation of what a saint is is very different than what it was 2,000 years ago. Yeah, doesn't that fall more under like the Catholic Catholic category? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Where people are, you know, they only consider certain people saints, right? Like it's like a position, actually. Position, obviously, all the apostles, um, you know, outside of the twelve main ones as well, they consider them all saints. Those like heroic figures, even after the apostles that died for the Bible and had a huge impact. Wasn't like Mary one of them? Mary definitely. uh, You know, was it Martin Luther? Um, you know, all those, but, but a bunch of people, there's a lot mm-hmm. of saints. And so like, you know, for them, for some of those, the same as someone that's highly regarded, authoritative. And then for us today, it's kind of like, oh, you're a saint. Oh, but if, but if you're you a goody goody, you, you don't do anything bad. Ooh, you're something special. But then back there, back then, right? To the saints, it was the way I understand it. It was just believers in Christ. If you look at it from a perspective of um, theological history, right when uh, the Roman Empire accepted Christianity uh, as its main religion, a lot of people, they had different gods or they had different gods over certain things. Um, and what they did is they actually converted the same thing into saints. Mm-hmm. And so if you know, there's like a saint of gifts mm-hmm. and then there's a saint of something. And then they're not just a regular saint. There's a saint of uh, a certain thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And if you actually look in comparison to what the gods they had, it's almost like a one-to-one, which is very interesting to look at it because they actually made idols for themselves. They brought their old religion in to Christianity. It's crazy. I I started laughing when you were talking about saints because I was in Ukraine a couple of years ago and uh, we were walking around and there was a lot of really, really old churches. And I don't know, I don't know what this church was. It was one of those where, you know, they had pictures of, Mother Mary on the wall and everything and there's candles all around you have to light them out and it was more of like a I guess this church it was in the middle of a city so I think it became more marketed but it was funny I walked in and and me and my brother were kind of laughing we saw one of the people working there I guess or serving at the church was handing out what looked like player cards but it had pictures of their their saints on there and it legit it looked like the way that they were presenting it was as if it was like collecting Pokemon cards or something. Like, oh, did you get St. Peter card? Tin like foil. it legit looked like it. Like they were handing them out and had like a picture. The back was like a pretty little art, like a like a stained glass window. And they were kind of handing it out as if it's like, you have to have the whole set and stuff. And I'm like, it's just crazy to think that. And, and it, it makes sense why the fundamentals are important though. When you think about these kinds of things, it's to us, it might be kind of, crazy to think that someone's over here praying to Peter, but that's a legit thing that people in this planet like have an issue with, you know, there's people who read the Bible and that's, that's the outcome they come with. And it really makes sense why Paul is like, no guys, refocus. What do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Like focus on what's, what's right and what's true. And it's just, it's crazy. You don't, when you, but when you kind of bubble yourself into your own little circle of, of safety and like-mindedness, you don't realize how how far off a lot of different people are. Mm-hmm. And it, it's important to just be founded upon something firm like like Christ. Uh, yeah. 
I, I want to go along with what Mark with a K said. Um, a saint, a saint is, at least in the context of the Ephesians, was somebody who was made holy through their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason we know that is later in chapter four, um, uh, Paul talks about how saints were given gifts to go and serve and be messengers. So uh, being a saint is being made holy through faith. But now I think the distinction, like you guys mentioned, we see now a saint by people is considered somebody who is by their works, by who they are, what they did or their name. That's what makes them a saint. You know, God blessed only them, um, which is far from the truth. Yeah, saints are usually people also that were martyred or who suffered for Christ, at least through the Roman Catholic Church. So my question is, can we call ourselves as saints as well? And nowadays, can we yes. stick to the uh, the biblical description of it, but also understand that it, it means born again believers who are faithful in Christ Jesus? I yes. think so. We don't use it mm-hmm. nowadays. We just call ourselves brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ nowadays, but I think the the meaning kind of is there right it shouldn't it shouldn't be like the 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 precursor to your name like saint search pickalook <laughs> you can pronounce <laughs> it, it right just, it should be part of who you are um it should be part of who you are and i think we are considered saints we are considered through our faith we are saved mm-hmm. and that's why he says in faithful um he says in in, in verse one still to the saints who are in ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That's what makes you a saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just going to church doesn't make you a saint. It's having faith in no. Christ Jesus. Yeah. Going to, you know, communion once in a while doesn't make you a saint either. So going to church once a year on Easter and again on Christmas doesn't make me a saint? Nor does... No. Nor does uh, shutting yourself up in a room and praying 24-7... I'm just saying like from a religious standpoint, it's Christ Jesus who makes, we are, we get our identity from Christ Jesus. We are saints in him. Right. Which is why I like the word, I'd rather call myself a Christian. You know, I like the fact that it's the base is Christ or a saint is just kind of, I don't know. I think it it really, it's become like a language thing for us. It's meaning. Yeah. And and if you were to use it now, I I think it would send the wrong message. And I think you would probably individually. Saint sounds prideful a little bit. That's that's what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what Paul is intending with this. But for us now, like our language has kind of just evolved into having that. But I I think it's also a good, we can also, I think, use it in a good way when we encourage our brothers and sisters Instead of looking at him and be like, you're a wretched sinner forgiven by Christ when they're kind of torturing themselves over um, their identity in Christ, we could tell them, you know, yes, you are a sinner or you were a sinner forgiven by Christ, but now you're a saint in Christ. And so therefore you have a new calling as a saint because you're a new creature. And I think that's what Paul is doing here in Ephesians. If you look towards the rest of the book where he he says, uh skipping away ahead, chapter four, verse one, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. And so we have been called, this is, uh, we have been called to be saints. We have been called to be new beings Correct. in Christ. And so therefore we have to walk in a manner that is worthy of that calling. So that's something that we have to strive for. Amen. Yeah, so Mark, if you want to change your name to St. Mark on Instagram, you technically can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. I think that's already taken by the the OG Saint Mark. 
Yeah, but I, I, I now I now have to be extra careful to be worthy of that calling. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I'm yeah. not. I'm just saying like. <laughs> For sure. I think yeah, I, I like how you mentioned that we could use it as a form of encouragement because oftentimes you do, you can remind somebody like think, think of who you are. You know, when a person's falling, you could say, if you have faith in Christ, you are, you are a saint in his eyes. Because oftentimes we worry that our sin makes us so unworthy that we can't even have a good relationship with Christ, which is far from the truth. Amen. Uh, do you guys want to continue or yes. maybe stop there? Create a new record, one verse for a recording? Thanks for asking this time. <laughs> no, we got two, right? Grace We you. haven't talked about it yet. Okay, let's, let's, uh, I think we can get through it pretty we quick. We didn't really right? talk too much about Paul being an apostle, <laughs> to be honest. What do you have to add about I that, I think Mark? that's a separate recording. Well, later on in chapter three, he kind of talks about his story, but he's, he already says, assuming that they already know his story. So we already know what his story is as, as to his calling to being an apostle. I just wanted to bring that up. We'll get there when we get to chapter yeah, three. Yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> Thanks. All right. <laughs> Something to look forward to. That's true. So verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I think this, as far as I remember the Christians had very specific greetings towards each other. I think that's something that they kind of uh, used, not just out of love and out of you know formality, but I think at that time it was also kind of a uh, cultural, no, almost like a secret handshake. Like the way you would greet each other, you would be able to identify if they're a true Christian or kind of like a spy because of the persecutions. At least that's what I've heard. Well, that's just like a long-winded way of saying I'm a Christian, though. So it's not really secretive. But yeah, and that's not very secretive to tell someone to like grace, grace be to you and peace from the Father, from our Father, right? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, so like, what if oh, other so you're a believer in Christ? Yeah, what if the other guy's like, huh? Yeah, but then like, it's oh, like, never mind. It's Wrong like guy. that would just be, you know, one person kind of suffering for the church. Whereas if you didn't greet them, you'd be like, oh, you're the one I'm looking for. Let's go. And you bring him into the whole church. Now the whole church is exposed. You know what I mean? At least that's what I, I heard from like different historians or something like that, but I'm not sure how true it well, is. Well, if, if you ever make your way to a Slavic church congregation, you'll hear, oh, yeah. smiram. <laughs> and so it is a prayers will end with, nowadays it's very common, at least in the Slavic community, to hear phrases like these or similar to it. So I think it's definitely something that we've kind I of I think it's just something that we don't do as much these days because we don't write letters. I'm, I'm guessing it probably has a lot to do with the fact that you're writing to people who, again, you might have only seen them once in your life. So, you know, your intro is more than just, hey, what's up? You know, that, that's kind of what we've boiled it down to because you don't need to introduce yourself when you're texting someone. Like you don't need to introduce yourself when you see them five times a week. But in this case, I mean, if you're writing letters, you're, usually your intro is a little longer and your outro is also a little longer. Paul had a very similar greeting even when you read the book before this in Galatians. In one three, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Do you guys have any thoughts on why he mentions the exact words, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Journey? Yeah, I think it's talking about the Godhead. Um, and I think it is a greeting, but it's also a good wish that he has towards them that grace may increase towards them and peace and he even prays for the same thing uh later on we see in chapter one and uh chapter three where he's talking about that they may grow in his grace and that they may grow in understanding of his love 
So I, I think it's a good greeting meant not just repetitive. It's not just repeated just for the sake of saying this because it was a greeting, but he actually meant it with intent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if he is writing to Gentiles who might not be as knowledge on, you know, the, the creation of the planet and just kind of the whole Old Testament and God's whole role in that, it would, you know, I guess it would be helpful to separate them both because they are two different parts of the Trinity. So he's, you know, he's separating. There's there's a God and there's our Lord Jesus and that's two different things. Mm-hmm. Well, God the well, Father. I would like, I would agree yeah. to disagree, Mark, because I think, I think he's, he is saying them separate, which I agree, but using the word and, I think he's making them into one. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of, he, he ends up kind of going, going into that with, there's some degree, it's right. also kind of his signature statement. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we're reading too much if, into uh, it. If you read how he starts Romans and the first uh, Corinthians letter, he it's the exact same phraseology. So Just copy-paste. Copy-paste. So it's Because he did, uh, they did have like their own little styles of writing because uh, if you read scriptures, there people started to make copies, but they were not legitimate copies that skewed copies to try to sway people away from what Paul was teaching. Mm-hmm. And he got wind of that. And so later on in his some of his letters, he'll say that I am writing this to you. Like it's it's me with my hand, not someone else's. And so I think this is uh, one of his like signature greetings that's just kind of something that he does from the heart. One thing that we talked about in the hermeneutics class is authorial intent. And if we look back, the yes. author yep. is God, right? It's not necessarily yep. Paul here. So God is the author of scripture. And so if we look at it from that perspective, because he's not just saying, may God give you grace. He's, he's actually saying grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it could also be, I think, maybe relayed as he is just relaying what he knows, what God's will is for them or God's desire for them is this, so that um, grace and peace may abound to them. Maybe. Amen. Anything else to add? Because I think we can close it off there. Two verses. We, uh, huh? Two verses. <laughs> well, if we get into the next passage, it's that's not going to, you know, yeah. we're not going to be able to. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit more about God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of a, a little uh, present or a pre-talk before the next lesson or the next uh, verses. So for instance, like, why does he mention God our Father? and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he specifically has the word our in there. So I think here he, he, he initially says, Paul, he talks about himself. And then he says to the church in Ephesus. So he's distincting. There is a distinction between him and the church. But then here he kind of unites them again. He says, grace Ad- to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, he's kind of saying that we share this bond through God the Father and not only Jesus Christ, but God the Father himself. Which he goes into in Ephesians 4 with the whole one yeah. body, one spirit. And he even go, under he, one he goes a lot into the next section that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about. He talks about adoption. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, this next section, well, this whole book is going to be really, really tense. I'm, uh, I'm scared and excited to get into it, honestly. It's definitely one that we're going to have to prepare for a lot. Um, do a lot of reading up on. I'm excited. We'll be scared. Don't be scared. (laughs) 
You got to teach it right or you're teaching the false gospel. Well, that's why there should be a healthy amount of fear. Um, of course, we're excited to get started on this book. If you guys are listening, keep us in your prayers. This is uh, a very important book. And of course, we want to be able to relay not our opinions and our ideas, but God's ideas and God's opinions and God's word to all of you. So pray for us. We're excited for you guys to join us in this new series. It's going to be a long one. So buckle up, get ready, you know, pour yourself a cup of coffee and, and be ready to study this book with us. Read it on your own time, study it on your own time. If you, have, if you guys have any questions or concerns, if there's something that, you know, you want us to maybe discuss in, in regards to this book or just in general questions, feel free to message us. Call us if you have our numbers, text us. We're always open to, to he his hearing from all of you. Yeah, we do read the messages too as a group. We do, um, yeah, before. yeah. So we may not read them out loud. <laughs> okay, anything else to add or we can close in prayer? Mm -hmm. All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this amazing day, Lord. I'm so thankful for this opportunity that we had to open up this new book and start this new series. Lord, you see that we are just normal men. There's nothing special about us, Lord. We are sinful men in need of a savior, Lord. And we're so thankful that there was a point in our lives where we found you and we repented and you came to us and you gave us a new heart, Lord. And by your son, we are redeemed, Lord. And we thank you for that. And I just ask that we have your wisdom and your strength as we dive into this new book. Speak through us, Lord. Let it not be our own ideas or opinions that are pushed out, Lord, but truly what you want to be said and what you want to be heard, Lord. I'm so thankful for this time that we have with our brothers, Lord. I pray for our listeners, regardless of how many there might be, Lord, if there's just one person listening or a lot more, Lord, I pray that you be with them, help them in their walk with you. If they are already saved, Lord, then I just ask that you help them to continue to grow in their faith, Lord. If there is someone listening who has yet to receive you as their savior, Lord, I pray that you fall upon their heart, Lord, help them to understand the magnitude of what you did for them on the cross, Lord, and to fall on their knees and to repent to you, Lord, and to be a newborn Christian so that one day when we all pass away, Lord, we can all be in heaven praising your holy name together. I thank you so much for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast with others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.